we are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to another one of our breakout sessions from our Brotherhood Summit. Today we're going to tune in and listen to Brandon Murphy's presentation, Holding It All Together, Leading Your Family Well in an Unpredictable World. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. All right, guys, we're going to get started. Thank you guys for coming. Man, who's getting something out of this? This is really great, you know. I mean, you start out going to these things like I was last night. I that we have a business in Norman. I was making a beeline to get here, get here at six o'clock. So my t- son told me it started at six, and an hour and a half later it started. And uh, you know, so I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little hot. I'm like, you know, just kind of, oh, you know, get in there, and then just, I'm like, oh Lord, thank you, <laughs> I got here. This is exactly what I needed. Hopefully, you guys are feeling the same way. You go through a weekend like this for us to get better. And man, you just start to feel the spirit moving. I was talking to a young man earlier in, in, in here, and he said, man, I, just the Lord's doing a work in me. I can feel it. And I hope you guys feel the same thing, because when you start getting really focused on the things of God, you're going to find something starts to happen. You start to transform. And that's what this weekend's all about. It's about transforming as men and as leaders in our home. Let's get started with a word of prayer, and we're going to jump right in. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, thank you for leaders. Thank you for men who have taken this mantle to bring Christ to their home. Lord, that they, they know the importance. They know how important it is that they set the bar in their home. And God, I just pray that you equip every man in this room with a spirit of might and power to be a shepherd, to be a guardian, and Lord, most importantly, to be real and to be free so that they can do the mission of God in their home. Lord, I thank you for the words today. Let them find a resting place in our hearts. Lord, thank you for the, the ideas and the thoughts that, Lord, that they would bring forth much fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Well, if I hadn't met you, my name is Brandon Murphy. Uh, I've been uh, at Church on the Move for a few years. Uh, I, uh, I actually started going to church here while I was in high school, so I've been going to Church on the Move for five years now. Uh, and uh, it's, been, it's been great. This five years has been fantastic uh, since I left Broken Air High School. No, of course you guys know that's not right. Basically, started going to church here uh, with my, at that time, girlfriend, who is now my wife of 27 years, which has been awesome. We dated in BA uh, High School, good old BA romance. Any, any BA guys in here? Uh, okay, good. It's the, it's the thing where great things are made. Um, and, and we made some things. We made four kids. Uh, you know, when they first gave me this topic, normally I'm kind of my wheelhouse is talking about business or leadership or some of those things that I've been exposed to through the years. And man, I just got to say, this one came along and it was like, we want you to talk about family. And I thought, oh my gosh, wow, that, that, that's something I wasn't expecting. And then I thought, well, I have a family, so at least I qualify for one thing. And so the rest of this, Lord, I just, I'm just looking to you for the source. And man, right then the Lord gave me some really great things that I want to share with you today. Just you know, how many of you know you don't have to be a perfect dad and a perfect leader in your home? I think some of us get this idea that, you know, man, if we're doing this right, it just looks perfect, and that's just not the case. We're, 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 we're working through stuff. We're in the middle of our stuff while we're raising people in the middle of our stuff. We're, we're leading imperfect lives while we're leading an imperfect family, and God's okay with that. Thank God for that, that we can 
literally be on the right track and still be working stuff out. And so some of the stuff I want to share with you today is from Scripture. And I, I got to say, the Scripture's full of stories where people mess stuff up. And they were imperfect families accomplishing God's mission. So you're in good company. The good news is you're surrounded by a lot of great people that went before you that messed stuff up. And so wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, you've got examples of people that went through the exact same thing. And I'm going to share some of my stories today and some of the things I want to tell you a little bit about my family. Uh, my wife, Erica, as I mentioned, she was my childhood sweetheart. Um, met her, I think, at Little Caesars at 101st and Elm in Broken Arrow, man. She could make some pizzas, guys. I'm just telling you, it was awesome. And uh, so met her, uh, and uh, man, I got to tell you, God knew what he was doing when he put us together. He gave me a great wife. And if you have a great wife, man, I'm just telling you guys, it's a wonderful thing. And she has been the backbone of our family. She has been the glue. She has done things for our, our family that I don't even know how we got to where we are without her. And I'm so grateful and love her so much. And she's a great spiritual partner in this journey together. Uh, my oldest son is a junior at the U.S. Naval Academy. He's a, a cryptic warfare officer is what he's going to become, and he's fighting bad guys that are trying to come at us in the cyber world and learning that element, and he, he's a graduate of Lincoln Christian School. My uh, daughter, Isabella, uh, she's a freshman at ORU, taking that school by storm. I mean, she is like ministering to the ministers. I'm just so proud of her and what she's doing right now. It's like Every day I get to talk to her, it's, it, I just see God really uh, using her leadership gifts and, and really bringing some great things through her. My youngest daughter, Lexi, who will be a senior next year at Lincoln Christian, what an amazing, gifted, talented young woman she is. She is uh, not only a bad, not a bad basketball player, but she's got insight and wisdom beyond her years, and she is just, it's really great to see just how God's using her and her spe special gifts. And my youngest son, Judah, uh, Got to come last night. He's a freshman in high school, and uh, his name means praise. And got to, <laughs> got to see him praising last night. It's awesome, awesome. And so I'm blessed. I've got a, got a great family. Things are going to be okay, but how many of you realize we're in a world right now that is crazy? This, this age that we live in is not a normal age, and you need to be very aware of the time that you live in. The good news is, is that God picked you for this time to raise a family and this time you're like, thanks God, appreciate that, you know. No, you should be excited because I believe we are living in the end times and I do believe that right now is a real pivotal time for leaders in their homes to be who God's called us to be and he wants us to rise up as men and be the spiritual leaders of our home and if we're gonna lead well in unprecedented times, we need to be very aware that there are some things that we need to be doing for that to happen. This isn't just gonna happen because we go to church on the move or we come to a men's ministry. There are some things that we have to do as men in our home that are going to require action. And, you know, as someone in business, you know, we have um, five automobile dealerships. We have some different uh, subsidiaries that, that we, we've been blessed with and, and gotten involved in. And, and my, my boss and mentor, Bob Nelson, uh, who's been a great Christian influence in my life and has treated me like a son, made me a partner years ago and, and got to grow with him in a way that is just really special. And, and one of the things that we say in our company is we've grown, we've nearly 400 employees now, and we have a lot of leaders inside of our company. And one of the things that we teach our leaders is this concept of whatever you tolerate, you approve of. And so I, I want you, if you have a note, just write that down. Whatever you tolerate, you approve of. And 
if, if you've ever been in a leadership role or you've ever had to do something, even with your kids sometimes, and here's what the picture looks like. Okay, this is what we want this to look like. It's right here. Look at this. This is what we want to do. And then you leave, and somebody does this. And you're like, well, we need to do this, right? And it's that constant holding the standard, taking care of things the way that they should be taken care of. And we teach this concept because as, as leaders, there's an idea out there, and there's the idea, is that by not doing something, you're actually doing something. If you see something that is incorrect, if you see something that doesn't meet standard, by not addressing that, you've actually made a decision. You've made a decision to not address that, which actually says you approve of that. Does that make sense to everybody? You actually say, I approve of what you're doing by not saying something or not doing something about it. And this concept that we use in business is very applicable to our home because, man, I just got to tell you something. If you see something and don't do anything about it, you approve of it. Whether you inside say, well, that, I don't know if that's okay. By not acting on it, we need to be the shepherds of our home. And we're going to get into some stories in Scripture that really kind of talk about this in depth. And so I just kind of want to draw your attention to the book of Genesis. really fascinating story. I think it's really interesting how our time today really mirrors kind of what's going on in Genesis when you read through it. There's an interesting story about the first family that is the family of faith. And we get into the story of Abraham and God promised him a son at 100 years old. And, you know, God was doing something there because he knew there was no way for, or, uh, you know, he knew there was no way for that to happen, but he promised Abraham the son. And here comes Isaac, and Isaac is the promise, and through Isaac, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed, and we know that's the beginning of the nation of Israel, and so Isaac is born, and Isaac has two sons, and uh, those two sons are Esau and Jacob, and man, here comes trouble. I mean, right out of the box, here comes trouble. So don't think it bad if you've got trouble in your home right now. These are Abraham's grandkids, and they got trouble. Abraham saw God he made a covenant with God, and two generations later, we got problems. So we're going to kind of pick up some of the ideas of the problems that can exist in your home if we allow some of these things to happen. So the first P in problems that I want to focus on is, is, is this, is that the first P is our promises. So as men, we have to realize that keeping our word is a gateway to truth in our home. And yes, we want to lead our homes well in troubling times, but the first step in that is we have to walk in truth. And I got to tell you, the story in the scriptures, it's really fascinating. When you talk about Jacob, he struggled with this right out of the box. In fact, his name actually had hints that it meant deception. And so here's Jacob, you fast forward, and he's actually manipulating his brother in a real touch-and-go situation over a bowl of chili to get his birthright. And obviously... Esau made a bad decision. He gave him his birthright, didn't mean much to him, but Jacob knew what he was doing when he did it. He was scheming already for the future. Then you fast forward, and it's blessing day. And man, I can only imagine the amount of effort they had to go through to trick their father Isaac into thinking that Jacob was really Esau. I mean, can you think about this? It's like, this is a scheme of all schemes. Okay, so we got to figure this out. His eyesight's bad. We got to figure this out, Mom. We got to figure out how to get me to look like my brother, and then we got to put some smell on, and then we got to, let's make that stew that dad likes that, you know, is exactly the right flavor. 
this was a well laid out plan of deception. You ever watch these cop stories, you know, where they, the person schemed? That's kind of what this looked like. There was lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. And so this is Jacob's life, is that he is literally building a life based on deception. Then you see it starts to come back on him. He gets the birthright. Esau is furious, threatens to kill him, and he flees to his uncle Laban's house. And here we are with, uh, you know, Jacob and, and Laban. And, and Laban sees an opportunity to return a little bit of that deception back to Jacob. And <laughs> Jacob falls in love with Rebecca, and, you know, he's trying to make a deal. And Laban says, yeah, work for me seven years. And if you haven't heard the story, I don't quite understand how this could go down because, you know, if your wedding night was with the wrong girl, I, 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 I don't know. And, and I know this, this happened, but I just can't get my head around this that, you know, Here's Laban, and he literally sends in the wrong sister and then says, oh, you wanted to marry her. Well, our tradition says you have to marry the oldest first, so you get the, the, the not-so-pretty sister. So anyway, it's just a, it's a crazy story, but it starts to show one thing, is that Jacob has already started to open a door of deception into his home. You go a little bit further in the Scripture and read another story about how Jacob's sons take a, a coat that was owned by their their brother, and they dip it in blood and tell their dad, hey, dad, horrible news. Looks like an animal got a hold of Joseph and, and tore him to shreds. Deception, 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 deception was already finding its way back into Jacob's home. And who opened the door to this? It was Jacob. Jacob opened the door to this in his, in his home. And I just have a question to ask you guys. If you are constantly dealing with people deceiving you, there may be an open door. There might be somebody that we need to be looking at in the mirror that's actually bringing some of these things to pass. Because we, as an open door to deception in our lives, we can, we can allow this to come even on our kids. We wonder why our kids are struggling with this. Well, what kind of truth are we walking in? Man, I struggled with this for years. You know, I, yeah, I'd tell the truth until it cost me something. <laughs> then, oh, that's where the reasoning kicks in, right? That's when, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> If that's going to get expensive, then we need to spin a little web here because that, that, that could get costly. And I see this in believers all the time is that, you know, yeah, we're all about truth until we have to get our checkbook out. And then, you know, to pay for something, that could be, that could be expensive. And, you know, I think when it comes to truth, there's only one version of the truth. There's not multiple versions. And some of us have been telling a web of untruth for so long, we even believe it. You know, I, I used to have a family member that did. I'm like, that's not exactly how that story went, but I guess you believe it that way. But it goes much deeper than that. There may be a bad habit. There might be something in our life that we're keeping secret, and we have to cover for that continually. We're leaving an open door to the enemy in our lives. And, and the first P in problems is our promises. What do we say to our kids? Are we saying things just to not fulfill them? What kind of precedent are we setting in our family? If we're going to lead our family through challenging times, through difficult times, we have to be walking in absolute truth. You guys realize that part of our armor is truth, right? We have to gird ourselves with truth. And if we have any deception in our lives, the enemy is going to drive a truck right through that. And we're okay sometimes with telling the truth at church or to our brothers, but sometimes when it comes to our employer, we might go there because we need to make something up. How many of you know a little bit of a lie is still a lie? You know, if I made you some brownies today but put just a little bit of dog poop in it, would that be okay? 
Anybody okay with eating that even though it had chocolate chips in it? I mean, just a little bit, not much. I mean, just maybe just that much. So we, we got to realize this, guys, is that as we allow some of these things to come out of our mouths, this isn't just affecting us or the situation, and we may even temporarily gain. But if we're going to walk in truth in this day and age, we have to lead our families well, and we have to set the example. I read a book a couple of years ago written by a guy named Stanley Tam, and I don't know why I read this book. It was called God's Whipping Shed. Oh, I mean, that's a good read. Let me just curl up to that book, you know, and I'm like, first thing in it, this guy went back and made right every lie he had ever told. Legitimate deal. Like, stole some money from the offering in vacation Bible school, 20 years later went back and found the lady and gave her the 20 bucks. Like, made everything right that God told him to go make right. What would that look like in your life? Would you be busy? Would you be busy? So, first P in problem is we got to keep our, our promises. Next one is purity. In the day and age that we live in, and my wife and I volunteer at 180, our kids are under a sexual assault. It's a revolution of constant bombardment of everything from opposite sex attraction to same sex attraction to everything in between. And it's being spun in a way that everything is okay. And don't judge me. So as a believer and the leader of your home, it is so imperative right now that we become sexually pure in every sense of the form. We cannot allow a crack in our home because it will find its way into our kids. This story in the Bible is just fascinating. When you read about what happened to Jacob, everything starts to cool off a little bit. This is around, uh, around uh, Genesis 25 through 30. The story where Jacob's daughter Dinah goes into this village, this prince Shechem, he sees the daughter, he takes advantage of her, uh, and, and then later says that he just was enamored by her, wanted to take her as a wife, did it all the wrong way, but his dad got involved. They went and visited with Jacob. They had a conversation, said, hey, we'll become your partners. We'll be with you. We'll do whatever it takes. We just want to be a part of your tribe. We'll just If you'll give your daughter in marriage, please, my son, we'll do whatever it takes. So, uh, you know, Jacob was good with the idea. Some of the brothers hear about it, and they said, actually, you know what? That's a good thing. We'll actually do this deal with you, but you guys all need to get circumcised if you're going to be a part of our tribe. So I don't know about you guys, but, you know, if I'm part of a village and this dude's son says, hey, because he's going to get married, you all need to go do some cutting down there, that, that may not go well with me. I may not be, I'm like, okay, so what do I get out of this deal, right? So, but they did it. They went along with it. They actually, the scripture says they were all okay with the idea. So that's what they do. They all circumcise themselves. And here come the sons because, you know, if you've ever had surgery in that area, you're not going to do any MMA fighting after that. You're going to be laying around. And that's what happened. These guys came in and slaughtered the whole village, took them out. So fast forward, Jacob is furious with his sons. There's a lot of discussion on what they need to do. They're going to move out of that area because they're afraid of what might come on these guys. And then Jacob says something fascinating. He says, bring your idols from your tents and give them to me so that we may bury them under the terebinth tree. I'm like, hold on a second. These are Abraham's grandkids. These are the patriarchs, the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob says, bring your idols in. What's he talking about? Is he talking about a picture of a fish or a, or a moon? Maybe. What he's really talking about, and if you read anything in the Old Testament, you read a lot about what those 
false gods represented. They were sex gods. They were ritualistic things that people did that went along with the worship of those gods. So there was a reason that they kept those idols around. It's because they liked what went along with it. They liked to be able to do the things that it meant to follow those gods. And here it is, Jacob saying, go bring that stuff. It's not like they went to him and said, hey, we've been doing this. He knew about it. Remember what we said earlier? Whatever you tolerate, you approve of. Jacob knew this all along. He knew this was already going on, but he allowed this to come into his family. Isn't it interesting how this tainted his judgment? So whether you are bound yourself or seeing something in your home, we have to clean our home completely of what it takes to be sexually pure. This is an absolute battle. There was a point in my home where, man, I just opened the door to everything. Every game system, every iPad, every phone system wanted the kids to have the best of everything. Yeah, you guys, yeah, you need to, whatever. Everyone gets this or that. And full internet access and look up and wonder, why the heck do I have a problem here now? How did this happen? I opened a door to it. I let it all into my house. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, we don't need to be entertained this much. (laughs) Our entertainment value is not above our walk with Christ. And there are going to be some times where we just have to say, bring your idols in. We're going to bury these things. We're going to get rid of them. We have to do this sometimes. That's what we did. And again, I'm not telling you what to do or tell you. There's so many people in this room way more qualified to be up here than I am. But what we did is we just ripped it all out. I mean, literally. We took TVs off the wall. I took DVD players out, like old school, like VCR combos. I mean, like, we took them out. And I took them all and put them in an office, locked the drawer, and we just had an unplugged summer. We're like, nothing, no electronics. And we had to bury our idols under our tree because it was a problem. We were creating problems for our family. And that might be what you need to do. You're wondering why this is happening. Even to the extent maybe Jacob, he saw some stuff, obviously, and didn't do anything about it. What do you see in your home right now that you're like, I'm just not okay with that, but you're not doing anything about it? Maybe it's the way a kid goes up to a room and hangs out there by themselves. Maybe it's the fact that you've got a device in a room and, you know, you're not checking on it. But it's kind of gnawing at you. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You know, there are ways to prevent some of these things. You can't shield your family from everything from happening, but you can make it hard to sin. And that's what our jobs are to do as a spiritual leaders. That's why it's so important that we remain spiritually and sexually pure. And I just got to tell you, guys, I struggled with lust for years, years. It was a problem for me. I'd see a beautiful woman walk by. Man, my mind went there. Like, I could see the deal going down. And it was just maddening, white-knuckling it, trying to keep it all together and just think, oh, I just got to, you know, can't do that anymore, can't do that anymore, can't do that anymore. And here my kids are struggling with some of the same stuff, and I'm wondering why. It's a familiar spirit. It's hanging around my house. It's coming through me. It's terrible. So I hear Blaine talk about his story. Then I hear another pastor who went through a similar, lost everything, went through a similar story, and I'm like, Dad Gummit, that we need to get past this. And I'm I'm sick of dealing with this. So I went and talked to the one person that you'd never want to talk to. Guess who that is? Yeah, not my accountability partner. And there's nothing wrong with an accountability partner. 
But I wasn't, I wasn't getting what I needed there. I needed to go talk to the source. And man, that was, I remember the drive. I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be great. But you know what happened? That thing lifted off of me right then and there. It broke. That spirit never came around again. And I got to tell you, I mean, obviously it's a daily diligence. But man, that was a spiritual oppression that broke off my life right there when I did that. I was like, I don't, I don't have to struggle with that anymore. And it was simply because the enemy was keeping me in bondage for the fear of telling somebody. And I want to challenge you in this room. I mean, it, it takes a lot to talk about this stuff, but the person that we need to be telling is the person that's closest to us. That's where your answer is because you two together need to fight this for your home. So I say that for somebody in here because you need to hear that. It's important that you take that next step. And what comes next may have consequences, but the most important thing is you get past it because you cannot defeat this by yourself. You need your partner in life to help you through this. So pray about it and, and move on. The last P in problem is priorities. It's really interesting how when you read this story about Jacob, he had another brother named Esau. Esau was a guy that he had priorities. They just weren't for God. And his priorities were hunting. His priorities were women. <laughs> it says that he pursued Canaanite women. He knew that wasn't what he was supposed to do, but that's what he did. And his priorities were so out of whack that it took him out of the place where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. And this is really an interesting story. Even at the time that the birthright was given, I'm pretty sure he knew he should have been in the area, but he wasn't available. And if we're going to lead our home through challenging times, we've got to have our priorities right. It's kind of like a picture of this. If you look at the solar system, sometimes we have our own solar system, right? We have work, we have home, we have, oh, job, yeah, yeah, that's another little interest there. And then, oh, I've got friends over here. I've got my hobbies here. Everything's going good. This all looks good, except for one problem. We're at the center. You see, God will not be second. He will only be first. There's no such thing as second place for God. He won't be there if he's not first. Pastor Greg and I were talking last night, and he told me actually the root word of priorities was a singular word, priority. There's only one priority. And as a man and the leader of your house, it is our responsibility to put God at the center of our life. When I say put God there, what does that mean? What does it mean to put God at the center of your life? What does your time look like? If I looked at your schedule, do you have anything scheduled for God in your schedule? And you're here, so that's a lot right there because you made time to be here today. But if I looked at Monday or Tuesday, well, I'm busy, man. I got a lot going on. Well, it might mean you have to lose a little bit of sleep. It might mean you have to stay up a little bit later. Whatever that time, it might mean you have to skip lunch. We have a saying in business, whatever gets scheduled gets done. And if it's not on your schedule to spend time with God, it probably isn't going to happen. And for those of you, again, there's so many amazing men in this room that get this. But if you haven't taken that next step to say, I am going to carve out time between me and the Lord. I thought it was so great what Pastor Witt said last night. He said, it's about your relationship with God, right? Not for God. And all those things are important. But with Him. We've got to get to know our Heavenly Father. We've got to spend time with Him. If we're going to lead our families well through challenging times, we've got to get these priorities in line. And there's only one priority, not T's. Only one. So I want to leave you with a few simple, practical things that I think just putting some of these things in place will help you lead your family well in challenging times. Number one, and this is it, 
Proverbs 3, 6 says, if you acknowledge God in all your ways, he will direct your paths. What does it mean to acknowledge God? Is it something hard or complicated? Absolutely not. Acknowledging God is this. Lord, I need your help. You really can't screw this up. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I invite you into this situation. If you are not currently praying with your family every single day, what does that look like? Praying with your wife, praying with your kids. I'm going to challenge you to start doing that today. And you do the praying. Well, I don't pray well. I don't know what. You know what? You can't screw this up. One of the most powerful things is for your kids to hear their dad pray. It gives them such great confidence in their walk with the Lord. My parents did this for me 40 years ago. They literally showed me what right looked like, and I still continue that to this day. Have we missed today? Yes, 100%. But I'd say better than 95% of the time, before you're going to school, before you're leaving this house, we are going to pray for this day. We're just acknowledging God, Lord. Proverbs 3, chapter 6 says, if I acknowledge you, you're going to direct my paths. So, Lord, we invite you into this day. Holy Spirit, help us to see people the way you see people. Lord, thank you for the covering of the blood of Jesus. Whatever it is, just find something that you can acknowledge God in the day of your family. When you acknowledge God in your family, here's what happens. You draw your family's attention back to the Lord. And I want to challenge you, whatever that looks like, be bold and take a step. They may say, like, what are you doing, Dad? What's, what's going on here? Is there something wrong? Nope, we're just going to start praying together every day. Something good happens. Acknowledge God. I love what Pastor George said years ago. He said he was taking the kids on vacation, and they sat there, and they were at a nice meal, and he just said, hey, guys, I just want to acknowledge God. We, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be here right now. For his goodness, for his blessing over our home and our family, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here right now. Just acknowledge God. Just say, Lord, we just thank you for what this is right now. Thank you for that. When something good happens, when something bad happens, acknowledge God. Acknowledge God. Just literally say, Lord, we're all together here. We're just going to pray for Aunt so-and-so. Yeah, you can do it under your breath, but get your family involved in this. What a great opportunity to teach them this is what we do when the chips are down. We acknowledge God. That's an awesome experience. We've been doing this for a long time. My son called me. He's a, he's a runner at Navy, and he, um, <laughs> knucklehead, he got on the highway in Maryland to go for a 12-mile run. You're not supposed to run on the highway. He didn't know that. It's one of those life lessons we didn't teach him before they left the house. So he's, uh, you know, running 12 miles down the highway. So he doesn't know where he's at, doesn't have a cell phone. And at the academy, they have to be back, and it's like you're back or you're, in, you're busted. You're in trouble. So he's got 30 minutes to get back, and a highway patrolman pulls up and says, hey, get off the road. What are you doing, you nut job? Get over here. So he, he gets off on this exit, doesn't know where he's at, like, doesn't have a clue where he's at, and he's got to be back in 30 minutes. Doesn't know, doesn't have a GPS, nothing. And he's like, I got to be back. So he starts down this road to this neighborhood, and he, he stops, and he, he does this. He acknowledges God. God, I know that you know where this place is. Thank you for showing me what I'm supposed to do. And he just got the sense I'm supposed to go the other direction. It was a wooded lot behind him. He just starts walking through the woods. He goes probably 200 yards. It's a crest of a hill. He sees the academy down at the bottom and runs down and makes it in time. Where did he get that idea? At home, we acknowledge God. When we have a problem, we're going to acknowledge God. We're going to pray about it. We're going to bring him into those situations. 
This is our job as men to lead the charge in this. Number two, acknowledge God in your time. Of course, we said earlier, your time with the Lord is the most important thing. And I think if there's one theme of brotherhood, it's this, is that whatever we make time for, okay, we're going to have to be intentional about it. Because the tyranny of the urgent is this. I'm so busy. I've got so much going. Guys, I get it. I work 60-plus hours a week. I've got a lot of irons in the fire. I've got kids. I've got sports. I've got all this stuff going on. But somehow, we've got to find time. We've got to figure this out because the schedule cannot be at the center, and then everything else that falls out is what happens. It's funny how this works, whether it's your money or your time. Whatever you give to God, he figures out a way to get it back to you if you haven't figured that out. It's just like when you first start to tithe. The first thing that happens, you think, I don't know how we're going to do this. And you think, how do we do this? It just works its way out. Whenever you give time to the Lord, whatever that is, like, okay, I'm going to get up at 630, and I'm going to read Scripture, and I'm going to pray. That's what I'm going to do. Somehow, you might be tired at first, but you get in the habit of it, and it starts working its way out. Schedule that time. If you're not involved in volunteering at some level, it's important part of your Christian service and part of leading your family well through challenging times is getting involved in volunteering. You know, I have a good friend. He told me this. He says, the, the two ways I know my kids are going to be okay when they, get, when they got out of the house is one, is what was coming out of their mouth, and number two, were they volunteering? He says, I couldn't control anything else, but when I could see those two things, I knew we were going to be okay. And it's been such a joy. I've got Nate, good friend of mine back here. He gets to serve with three of my kids and kids on the move. Where did they see that? How did they get the idea to volunteer? Because Nate and I served together 15 years ago in blessing kids. They're not going to get this through osmosis, guys. As much as we love the outcome of these things, we got to be involved in Christian service and whatever that looks like. And again, there's so many people more qualified to speak to this, but we set the pace. We set the model. And if we are giving time to God's work, you're going to be you're going to be shocked at what happens when your family. When your family sees you start to do this, and it might be a million reasons why you haven't been able to do it, find a place to plug in and volunteer and let your family see you do it. Let you be the lead in that. Find a place to set that model. And when we give our time, it is one of the most amazing ways of leading our families because they see your lead in this. Number three, we honor God and acknowledge God in our relationships. We may have some friendships that are not great. We may have some friendships. They're not ministry friendships. They're just friendships that they don't bring us to a good place. could be a family in our cul-de-sac. It could be a, a friend from high school that we've kept around. But we've got to acknowledge God in our relationships. And if there's someone in your life that's not leading you closer to Christ that you know when you're around them, you just tend to go the other direction, it might be time to say, you know what? We're going to be friends, but we're going to be friends from a distance. We're not going to hang out anymore. We just can't take that valuable time because what happens is, and I've seen this happen so many times, is that the closer these friendships become, they begin to affect your family because they start pulling you away from what God has for your life. And a lot of you guys have a really firm grasp on this, but I can say I've seen some real tragedy happen when we don't cut off wrong relationships in our life. And we've got to honor God and acknowledge God. We've also got to be really wary of what our kids' relationships are. And just because your kid goes to a Christian school or doesn't, just because your kid is around a good group of kids or not, it's our job as the leaders of our home to know who those kids are 
and know where their heart's at. How many of you know the trouble that you may or may not have gotten into? For me personally, every bit of trouble I got into in life was with another person. Like, you know, it took two (laughs) to figure out that much trouble. And that's the way it goes. Normally speaking, the relationships in your life and your kids' lives, these are the relationships will mold you over time. Examine your friendships, but look at your kids' friendships. Look at who they're hanging out with. Do you know who they are? Do you know what these kids' motives are? It's important, guys. It's important, especially today, that we know who our family's relationships are. And then the last thing, and number four, is we've got to honor God in our confession. This is so powerful. People will generally gravitate to the most positive voice in their life. If you think about someone that made the biggest impact on you, normally, not always, but normally, they may have been tough, but they also saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself, and they spoke that over you. Many times the, when I look back in my career and the different things, it was because somebody said something, spoke something to me, allowed me to see a little further than I could see myself. We've got to honor and acknowledge God in our confession. What does this look like? Well, are we all good at church and everything's good and we've got all the right lingo and then we go home and we just dump shame or condemnation on our family as men? And I get it. It's frustrating. Some of the things that kids do, they can be real knuckleheads sometimes. But you've got to realize something. People will always live for something greater than the way they're acting right now. And if all we ever do is point out the shame or the wrong thing that they're doing today, that's just agreeing with one entity I read about in the Bible, the one that accuses the brethren. You know who that is? The devil. And I made this mistake. I mean, one of my kids was doing something just ridiculous. And (laughs) I was really fearful is what the, the real issue was. I was fearful because of what it meant that I did or didn't do. And, and I was usually the one to blame in that situation, and, and I was the one to blame. So how did that come out? Well, condemnation. you gotta, you got to straighten up. you got to fly right. You, gotta, you can't do that. That's, you know, I'm so disappointed in you, blah, 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 you name it. I did every wrong thing you could do as a dad in pointing out how terrible their activity was and their actions were. And you know what it did for that person? Made it worse. They kept getting worse and worse and worse. And the more they acted that way, the more I said it. And it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're acting this way. You're doing this. You're disrespecting. This is just ridiculous. I can't believe you. What are you trying to do? Tear our family apart? Yeah, I said all that. Said some stuff to my wife. Shouldn't have said. Stuff that made her think that she was part of the problem. You know, blame, 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 blame. Guys, we got to acknowledge God in our confession. We've got to say what God says about people. Thank God I got a hold of some good mentorship that said, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to start calling those people like the way God sees them. God doesn't just see this. He sees their future. Start speaking over them like God does. We wonder why sometimes kids get in bad relationships. It's because that relationship is more positive than you are. And we want these guys to turn out right, but sometimes we're the ones that are causing part of the problem. My wife was in line at a post office doing some shipping. And this lady, it was a long line, and they just got to talking. And this lady was telling the story about her daughter. And her daughter was, um, I think, 13 and got connected to a, a bad relationship. And next thing you know, this ended in, uh, this started down the road of experimenting with drugs. Then she got into crime, started stealing things to pay for the drugs. And her and her husband just, again, 
Christian people, overboard, you are screwing this family up, you're a disappointment, I can't believe you're doing this, you're gonna, your life's going to end tragically, just pointing out all the things that were going on in her life, basically just being uh, heaping shame upon shame upon this girl, and the worst happened. She goes to prison. She gets caught, and it was pretty bad. The, the charges added up. She, she had to do time. And somebody got a hold of them and said, hey, you cannot do this. You've got to change your confession over your family. You can't keep saying what this girl is doing is going to ruin her life. She already knows that. She's already in prison. So they changed, and they, they tried real hard. And this lady's telling the story, and she said, we actually started going to visit our daughter in prison and started confessing over her, God's got a plan for your life. God's going to use this. Your life's not over. This is bad, but you know what? God's going to turn this for good. God's going to use your story to help people, even though she wasn't acting like it, literally calling those things that be not as though they were over their daughter. And they said while her daughter was in prison, they actually saw her daughter change her life in prison. Isn't it interesting that while she was not in prison, she was bound, but while she was in prison, she was free. What an amazing concept that mom and dad's words formed her picture. And I just got to say, guys, this hits hard because I've made these mistakes. But you can make a change in this today. Choose something to speak life over your family. I've seen this happen. People will live for a positive future more than they'll stop a negative past. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe it's you feel like it's too late. My kids have already done this stuff, and I've already made this mistake. This lady's daughter was in prison. Is that too late? No, it's never too late. Start this today. And guys, I'm so thankful for this, is that we are in a church that is in the fight with you. Be in God's house. Bring your families to church. Let them see you vulnerable. If you've got something to confess, here's the good news. It only takes one step. God will take you the rest of the way. He's got the grace for you. And why is that? He wants our families to be literally a shining light in a dark world. The best tool we have right now as men is for our families to honor God. Because there's a lot of fake stuff out there right now. But you cannot deny a family that serves the Lord. You cannot deny the results of great kids. You cannot deny the results of a great marriage. You can see it. It's evident. People come up to you and say, tell me what you're doing. And it's not perfect. It's just, we're just acknowledging God. That's all we're doing.